0: Good morning, as has been stated already in our prayers and announcements and from this pulpit, we're thankful to be together. For this opportunity that presents itself, and as we try to remind all, all of our visitors, we will be uh, having lunch here in just a few moments, several of us here if you'd like to stay, and we'll have a service again then at 1.30. If you, you leave and grab lunch or run home and then come back, that's fine, but we'd love for you to be back this afternoon with us as we study from God's Word again. But it is wonderful to be together. Appreciate all those who have participated in our service so far, who have guided our thoughts. Appreciate Don and the songs that he's picked out. The Great I Am created man and it's a great thought for us especially with the lesson that we're going to get into this morning if you have a bulletin in front of you you may have noticed the topic of our lesson this morning is God's sexual boundaries and as we kind of gave you a preview last week or just mentioned that we were going to discuss this it is a lesson it is a topic that is sensitive but it is also very important and I want to say that I, you are very supportive of me, and, and I appreciate and am thankful for your trust that we can talk about these things as we need to, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But yet we can try to do so in an appropriate way, and that we can encourage one another uh, with things that are going on around us. Certainly it is important that we study the Word of God, that we open it up together, and we look at things that have been done in the past We talk a lot about the book of Acts and what the early church was doing, and rightfully so. We go back to passages and we open them up and try to understand what God said and what happened at that time. But we also realize that there are things that are happening around us, and there are things that we sometimes, we may hit on this a little bit, but there are things that we sometimes feel are different, but really they're not, from the way that mankind has already been. And certainly there are things that maybe are a little more, seem a little more important in our society today that it is important for us to uh, discuss if you have your bulletin in front of you you'll notice that there is a blank space for our afternoon lesson and that's because we are going to continue this lesson a little bit it's going to have some other thoughts to go along with it but Uh, In talking with one particular brother and and talking about some ideas and some points and things, you know, I said, you know, this is really like a two or three part lesson if we wanted to make it that far to really try to cover everything. So this afternoon's lesson will go a little bit further. And I just decided that I would just leave that space blank if you are back with us and you want to fill in the questions that we're going to talk about. And the notes and, and some things that we can do. We hope that you will plan to be here. Uh, I also want to mention that I'm indebted to, to my brother, our brother David Farr, uh, who preached on this not too long ago and shared with me his lesson, a lot of his information. I meant to bring a, a couple of Think Magazines up here with me, but I, I left them in my office. But that was also a source of information for me and we share that often, some of our resources that we use. If you were with us in class on Wednesday night, we talked about some different websites and podcasts and YouTube channels, and someone asked if we would put together that list and maybe share it with the congregation, so we'll try to do that soon in the next week or so, uh, and so that you have some places that you can go. One of those is Think Magazine or the Focus Press website, and I used a couple of those, and what was interesting to me was one was on the idea of transgenderism, was, I think, put out maybe in 2018. The other dealt with the idea of homosexuality, and it was put out, I think, maybe even as far back as 2012 or 2009. So I would emphasize just once again that sometimes we feel like this is something that's new to us or it's a problem today, but we recognize that really it's been going on for a long time in our country and certainly in the world. I think there's one thing that we can agree on this morning, or maybe two things. One is that this is a bit of an uncomfortable topic. It's something that makes us a little nervous. We're not sure what we would say or how to handle it. But we also notice, number two, that there is, without a doubt, absolutely 100% a need for this kind of discussion. For us to reason together, even as we talked about in our class this morning from the book of Isaiah, to come together as people who are striving to serve God and to reason together with what his word says. And as we usually try to do in our lessons here from this pulpit, we'll come back to that in just a moment. But to help emphasize this point, let's think about a a couple of reasons why this is needed as we think about it together here. Uh, Number one, it is ubiquitous in our culture today. I think it was about five years ago, there was a billboard campaign. I know it was in Chattanooga, and it may have been in other places in our country, but it it was the billboard company, I think, in connection with Coca-Cola, and there were a lot of billboards around Chattanooga that simply said this word, ubiquitous. Now, as we know, it's not a word that, that we use a lot, and so it kind of stands out, it gets our attention, so it makes sense to be a part of a marketing campaign. But that word simply means this idea of everywhere. And you're familiar, I, I don't know if it's still out there or not, but Coca-Cola had the, the share a Coke uh, model or brand where they'd put names on the side of the bottles and you were supposed to share a Coke. That was kind of the beginning of that. They were sharing with you that Coca-Cola truly is everywhere, it is ubiquitous. When we think about the, this idea of What we're really going to hone in on this morning and even this afternoon is is transgenderism, homosexuality, as we think about what our world thinks about uh, God's sexual boundaries or the world's sexual boundaries. These ideas or concepts are ubiquitous. They're everywhere. You know, we don't have to turn on the television very long. In fact, there are many, and most of you are familiar with this, but there are many perfectly Normal, good TV shows on the surface that you think you might like to sit your family down or as a husband and wife or your kids down together and watch because it seems like it's either a good comedy or a good drama or it would be fun to watch. Perfectly normal seeming TV show that Ben's going to have a character who has two moms or a character who is claiming to be non-binary or, or something like that. And then, you know, you have to have concerns about what you watch or what your children are watching. We know the effects of social media, but we go further and we think about our classrooms in our schools. We think about our hallways, the groups that our children are a part of. If you like music, and most of us, maybe you're not a big musician, but you like music, and you've got a favorite musician or band or singer, I would almost guarantee that if you listed your top five, especially if it's a current group, some of you like, of course, older music maybe, but, but even then, it doesn't necessarily matter. A current group, you're going to find one of those who have either come out or probably is wanting to and may soon come out with some kind of new pronoun or description that is around us dealing with their gender. It is something, this is a discussion that is for all ages. Now, as I said a moment ago, we want to be appropriate. And we want to cover it sensitively and carefully carefully but it is ubiquitous it is everywhere around us which is why there is a need for this discussion a second reason we might say this morning is because i think we have become a bit desensitized have we not to this idea some of you are saying well not me you know it certainly still shocks me but i can say uh, you know myself sometimes when we do think about those tv shows or those musicians or people that we know, our culture, what's going on around us, it's easy to kind of begin to say things like, well, you know, they are a practicing homosexual, but it's not that there's anything wrong with that. And I don't think that Christians necessarily always feel that way, but it is common when the world is around us, and it seems like every person, whether you're at work or at school or in the store, and you were to look around the room, you might be one of 5, 10, 15 or more people who would say something against homosexuality. And when you are that one person, it becomes very easy just to simply say, well, you know, but it's not that there's anything wrong with that. It's not a big deal. So we become desensitized to something that is sin. Now, one thing we're going to say multiple times in the next 30 minutes or so is that there are lots of sins that we can become desensitized to, but this is certainly one and it's happening more and more in our country today. Another reason that this is an important lesson, that there is a need for it, is because we must, we must and need to know the truth of the matter. Now, by truth, we are meaning what God has to say about the subject, about the matter. We live in a world where people talk about things like postmodernism, and they say what's truth for you is truth for you, what's truth for me is truth for me. You need to live your truth. That's what people will say. But we need to know the truth, but it's not what you think, or you think, or you think or what I think even, but it's what God has to say, and it is important that we talk about this because we need to know the truth. We need to know what God has to say so that we can discuss it with others, so that we can be informed, and we can help people who are living in sin. A fourth thing that we might add to this list is we need to discuss this because of the church's past failings. Now, hear that carefully, but honestly, it's my opinion, and I think the opinion of others, maybe especially my age and my generation who are filling a bit of a gap between a time period where you would, people would say, well, we didn't know anybody who was a homosexual, you know, because nobody talked about it. Not that there wasn't anyone, but nobody talked about it. And maybe our children who now see that it is ubiquitous, it is everywhere, And some of us who are a particular generation are trying to bridge that gap and and understand that maybe in the past, the church has fallen a bit short in trying to handle this discussion. Now, one way that that's happened is many people have simply said, we're not going to talk about it. I mean, how dare the preacher get up and talk about sexuality or homosexuality and that kind of thing, because we don't need to be talking about that. Other people treat it as it's the unforgivable sin. As that, it's worse than any other sin. And I agree, as we're going to look at it in just a moment, it is against nature. And it is absolutely against God. But we also need to be aware of what's going on and be able to discuss it. And sometimes in the past, we have maybe caused people who are <clears throat> feeling very uncomfortable, who are feeling very hurt, to never want to even have the discussion. Because they are afraid of how they will be treated or talked to. Now, as we said last week, please, please, please understand, I'm not saying that we become accepting and tell people that they are okay to stay in sin, just like we talked about with abortion. But as we said with abortion, people who have either gone through it or who are struggling with it currently, the idea of possibly having one, and the people who are dealing with these sexual sins, we need to be able to have the discussion and we cannot shame them so that we can't have the discussion or avoid it altogether. And maybe this is needed because sometimes in the past, we have treated this like it's worse than anything else, and we don't want to talk to anybody or even see anybody. And I get that, like we said last week with abortion, it may be considered reprehensible. It is a sin, but we need to talk about it. We might say as well that this is, we need to talk about this because it is absolutely something that is affecting our children. Now, I've already said it that we've talked about the fact that it's on the television shows and it's on social media and it's on these things. But I will tell you that even last Sunday, seven days ago, I stood here and I told you we were going to talk about this. And before the service was over, or as the service was over, before I made it out those doors, somebody stopped me and said, my child is dealing with this almost daily at school, with boys who say they're girls or girls who say they're boys or uh, lots of other things. But they said this is absolutely something that is going on around us. It was affecting their child or children. And it's something that they were interested to hear a biblical perspective about. So, yes, it is needed. And then finally, a reason this lesson is needed, because as we, much as we might not want to admit it or think about it, there are people in the church that struggle with these things. Is there someone here? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying I'm aware of any situation. But are there people who claim to be Christians who struggle with these types of things? Absolutely. Christians struggle with sin. I didn't say this kind of sin. Christians struggle with sin. And if Christians struggle with sin, then Christians struggle with all types of sin. Things that we might be more readily, easily to admit and things that we want to keep hidden. But there are people who are members of the church, whether it be here or somewhere else, who are dealing with these these kinds of things, and so we need to talk about it. And as we say each week, the most important thing that we can do together in these few minutes that we have is to understand what God has to say. And as I said in particular, on purpose here in the slide, what does God say through his word? He's left us his word of how we should live, all things that pertain to life and godliness, Do you believe that, as Peter said it? I do. And I think that it's going to give us something that would help us with some of these thoughts. And as we're going to kind of go a little bit deeper this afternoon, let's begin to discuss it this morning. We might say, first of all, that we learn from God's word that, yes, God created two genders. God created two genders. Now, I don't know if you want to go to the Google webs, as our brother Travis says, and try to look something like this up. I found some people who say that there are up to 160 different genders. As I kind of try to do it, I, somebody said there's 72 different genders. There's 51 genders that are listed on Facebook that you can, can choose from. But God created two genders. Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 27 going back to the beginning. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female he created them you know sometimes we get frustrated today because it seems very confusing you know if you open up a, a a a test today I think about when I was in school having to take those standardized tests you know and you had to bubble in and you had to you had to write your name maybe your address or your social security number or something and then you might write you know what race you are you might write whether you're male or female not today it gets very confusing but we go back to the word of God and we notice even back in the beginning pardon me, that God made it very simple. He created him, he created them male and female. God created two genders, but it goes further than that. Genesis chapter two, verses 23 and 24. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, And they shall become one flesh. God begins laying the foundation here. Begins to lay the work about marriage. How two can become one. But we notice that there is a man and there is a woman. There is a husband and there is a wife. Again, I, I was doing my best to keep this lesson in about 30 minutes or so this morning. We will touch on a, a few other questions that you maybe have thought of or a few things going a little deeper with that this afternoon. But this morning, we'll leave it here to say that, yes, God created two genders. What does he say about these matters, about his sexual boundaries? Well, first of all, we notice that there is a male and a female. We would notice, secondly, that, yes, God did create Sexual boundaries. Now, the problem here is that the culture says, our culture today says there are no boundaries. Now, I'll give you this for some of you that are older, there was a time when most of the world, our country, would agree that there were two genders, there were male and female, and that kind of thing. But as our world has changed, and when it has, as society has changed, we begin to say that there are no boundaries. Which is why the topic this morning or the title is important to consider that yes, God has put forth some sexual boundaries. And what we want to do here in the next couple of moments is think about some things that are then outside God's sexual boundaries. If we go back to the verses that we mentioned just a moment ago, there's male and female, and the two become one flesh inside the bonds of marriage. Those are God's sexual boundaries. We could leave it there and sit down. But it's very interesting. We talk about 2021. We talk about the 21st century. We talk about the United States today, our society, our culture. That's great. But we don't have to leave the book of Genesis to see people going outside of God's sexual boundaries. We see, first of all, in Genesis chapter 4 and verse number 19, that one of Cain's descendants by the name of Lamech took two wives. That's Genesis 4, by the way. We're not very far out of Genesis 1. And yet here we begin to see people who are going outside of God's boundaries, leaving the husband and the wife, two becoming one flesh, and they've moved on now to polygamy. And polygamy has started here. We go further and we see in Genesis chapter 16 and verses 2 through 4 that something that is outside of God's sexual boundaries is fornication. It's in there in Genesis 16 that Abram takes Hagar. He's trying to find a way to fulfill the promise of God. God has made a promise to him about his descendants, and he is trying to do that. And his wife, Sarah, is going to take her her maidservant, Hagar, and bring her to Abram so that they can try their way, which is a problem, their way to fulfill God's promise. And we see that fornication, I don't know if begins is the right word, but it's certainly present here in the book of Genesis. We go further to Genesis chapter 19 and verse number 5, and we certainly think about homosexuality. This is the place that we commonly refer to as we think about the men of Sodom. This is a place that was full of sin. And as these angels come to town, so to speak, and and the men of Sodom see and, and find these angels, these men want then to know these angels carnally, of course, physically. These men want to know these angels. And we know that one of the problems in Sodom was homosexuality. Again, not far what we think about today, this is not 2021. This is the book of Genesis. We go not even outside that own chapter to Genesis chapter 19, verses 31 through 33, and we see Lot and his daughters. They get him drunk because they want to have children. And before you even get out of this particular chapter, We see incest being something that is outside of God's sexual boundaries. We preached on this not too long ago, I believe it was this year, and we made this statement that a lot of people say about Lot's daughters, that you could take Lot's daughters out of Sodom, but you couldn't take Sodom out of Lot's daughters. They go on, they're outside of Sodom and Gomorrah, and yet here is sexual deviancy still being practiced, something outside of God's boundaries. We would notice as well in Genesis chapter 34 in verse number 2, the idea of rape that is mentioned in the book of Genesis. Shechem sees Dinah. He says, I want her and I want what I want. Not 2021, not 2020. Sounds like somebody was wanting to practice their own truth. I'll live my way. I'll do what I want to do. And he did. And we see this problem, something outside of the boundaries that God has set. But then it's going to be in this particular section but you'll notice it doesn't say outside at the top because we come further to Genesis chapter 39 and we meet a man named Joseph. And Joseph does something that goes to his origin. Joseph makes his decision based on what God wants and what God has said. And the famous verse, of course, is Genesis chapter 39 and verse number 9 where Joseph says to Potiphar's wife, how can I do this? How can I do this great sin and sin against God? Joseph made his decisions about his sexuality within the boundaries of what he knew God had said. And he was right. He did what God wanted. He made his decision based on what God had said, not what he thought would be best or what his truth was or even what people around him were doing. Which leads us to our next point, is that very often today for us, our sexuality is either shaped by our culture or our origin. And by origin, we mean God and God's plan, God's boundaries. We just pointed out a moment ago, but Joseph stayed with his origin. He made his decision based on his origin, on his creator and what God had said. In fact, we have identified, as we're going to touch on for just a moment here, and again, if you're not able to be with us this afternoon, you can always hopefully view it online as long as we're able to, to live stream this recorded there. But we'll get into these two main ideas a little bit further. But we've already noticed that homosexuality is outside of God's plan. You see, those other things that we listed, uh, we might. we might... Argue, people might argue a little bit about fornication because there's so much of it practiced sometimes. But incest or rape or even polygamy, most folks would say, I got you. We're good. We agree on that. But what about homosexuality? That's the, that's the term. That's the hot-button topic that people want to, talk, want to talk about. And we have already identified that homosexuality is outside of God's plan. And here's the interesting thing I'd like to share with you this morning. It has always been outside of God's plan. It has been wrong, we might say, or a sin in all dispensations of time. When we talk about dispensations of time, we think about three main areas. Number one, there was the patriarchal area. And that was a time in which God spoke by the fathers. It was the patriarchs, the fathers, that God spoke to and told his people how they should live. And so we go to Jude chapter 7. And Jude 7 talks about this idea of strange flesh. Now, if you know your Bible, Jude 7 is a New Testament reference. But in Jude 7, it's going back and speaking about Sodom and Gomorrah and speaking about the patriarchal age. And it is speaking about the fact that it was wrong. We've already talked a moment ago about Genesis 19, verses 4 and 5. During the time in which the fathers, God spoke to the families and to his people by the fathers, he said, this is something that shouldn't be done. This is something that I don't want to happen. So in the patriarchal age, God's people knew that it was outside of His boundaries. We go forward then, and we think about beginning in the book of Exodus, and really Exodus chapter twenty, with the giving of the Ten Commandments. We enter the Mosaical dispensation, in which the people of God are going to live by the law of Moses, the Mosaical dispensation. And in Leviticus chapter twenty, in verse number thirteen, we're still in Leviticus. We're in Leviticus chapter twenty. It says, "If a man lies with a male as he lies with a woman." Both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. So, yes, it's stated very clearly and explicitly in the law of Moses that this is something that should not be done. So, then people who are knowledgeable, people who maybe have heard us preach lessons here before, say, That's great, preacher, but what about today? Well, yes, even in the Christian dispensation, we see that homosexuality is something that was not, is not to be practiced. Thank you, Brian. When we think about today, how are we living today? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, we preached on this less than a month ago, I think, and talked about the the list of sins that are included there. And we see that Listed there is the idea of homosexuality. Now, depending on the version that you have in front of you, you may see something a little different. But yes, God, it is something that God doesn't want to be practiced. The other place that it's usually mentioned that you may be familiar with is Romans chapter 1 and verse number 27. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful, the New King James and receiving themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. They changed the natural use, as we've kind of already referenced a few moments ago. So you say, yes, we we got the Old Testament. We can read Leviticus. We don't live under that law. We're in the Christian dispensation. We live under the law of Christ. But even here, we see that Paul is writing and encouraging these people not to participate in homosexuality. We've already mentioned, though, that there is another topic, and we will get into this a little bit more this afternoon, but there is another topic, another word that's often used, and it's becoming more and more frequent, and that is the idea of transgenderism. In fact, one of the Think magazines that I was looking at and trying to find some information and get some, some ideas and some of our points made the point that in the writer's belief, this particular article, in that writer's opinion, we have already lost the war on homosexuality and same-sex marriage. And many of us might say that seems to be the case in this country. We've already lost that war or that battle. What about transgenderism? Because homosexuality has been talked about for so long in this country for many years now, but now we are seeing in our children's classrooms people who are struggling with this idea of trans- transgenderism. And what I'd like to share with you this morning is that I heard one writer say, and I think it's a great quote, that maybe transgenderism is more about an identity issue. You think about what's really going on there. You think about people who are really struggling with whether they are in the wrong body or their feelings or emotions. What are they struggling with? They're struggling with their identity. And one thing that the church can do and probably has done, and maybe I've been guilty of before, is we trivialize these things. And so what's said sometimes about this idea of an identity issue is we say, well, you know what, my child thought he was Spider-Man for a long time too. And we kind of laugh about it. And I get what we're saying because that's an identity issue and we know our child's not Spider-Man. And so then we say, well, we know this girl's not really a boy or vice versa. But as we're going to talk about, we have to be careful when we say those things because while it may seem as ludicrous to us, there are people who are dealing with identity issues, maybe even more than sexuality issues when it comes to transgenderism. Many in the transgender, transgender community appear to think that they will be happier and have more self-worth if they are of the opposite gender. And you know, gender is just a part of our identity. I, I'm, I'm a male. I'm also a preacher. I'm a husband. I'm a father a baseball coach, you know, whatever it might be. I have lots of things that contribute to my identity. Gender is one of those. And so maybe we need to think about this sometimes as we begin to think about discussing this with others, not that we accept it or say it's okay, but that maybe it's less about sexuality and a little more about an identity crisis. Where else should we find our happiness and self-worth but then in Christ? People are struggling trying to find an identity, how they're going to be happy, how they're going to have self-worth. They need to know Christ. That's still the bottom line through some of these discussions. So as we're going to finish with this morning in this particular lesson, what are we to do? What are we going to do about it? Well, first of all, let me ask you one more time. If you have an opportunity to be back with us at 1.30, we would love to have you because we're going to discuss it more, or maybe you can view this online if you're interested about the things that we're trying to share together here. Number two, think about this fact. When we are quick to respond with anger, with shame, with hurtful words, think about this. If you believe what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, there will be former homosexuals in heaven. Again, we talked about it about a month ago, but Paul says, and such were some of you. Meaning that they had been living one lifestyle, but they had changed. Now, the one thing we don't know about 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9-11, through 11, is how many of those people stayed changed, that they didn't go back into their sinful ways, But assuming, and I think it's probably a good assumption, that at least one, if not more, of those people stayed in their new identity, which is found in Christ, then there will be former homosexuals in heaven. And as I said earlier, I'm not here to condemn you or anything you might have said because I don't know. But I think it's possible that for too long we have just shamed people and we've not wanted to talk about it and we've thought about how... Unnatural it seems without thinking about the fact that if someone can change their ways or their lifestyles, then yes, there can be and probably will be former homosexuals in heaven one day. Say it this way: Homosexuality is a sin, but God forgives sin. And what we think about very often is: I don't know if He can forgive their sin. Oh, but He can forgive my sin. Uh, You know, whatever it is, he, He can certainly forgive mine because I can be okay but I don't know about that. That's not what the Bible teaches. God can forgive sin. God does forgive sin, and homosexuality is one of those. Let me say it this way as well. Sometimes we get caught up in trying to police the world, but Christians are told to police other Christians. Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't speak up about things that are wrong, that doesn't mean that we should try to not try to teach others about the love of Christ and how they need to change to live a Christ-like life. But we as a church sometimes get caught up as the moral police and we're going to tell everybody else how wrong they are when what the Bible says, and by the way, it's really 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I didn't put the reference on the screen. But leading into chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, is chapter 5. And in there, Paul is telling them to correct a brother who is in sexual sin. But it's a brother. We as Christians are not to associate with other Christians who are doing wrong, to withdraw fellowship. We are to help police each other and make sure we're, we're doing what's right. We, to the world, are supposed to show Christ's light in his love. That's what we're supposed to do with the world. That means speaking out against sin, but it also means that we're not in charge of policing everybody else, but simply showing them Christ, His love the light of God, the light of his word, and then we allow things to go from there as we try to teach people where they are wrong according to God's word and how they can improve their lives and be a follower of him. Which leads us to our last point, which is that we must, as Christians, love and support, not shame and shut out. Now I'm gonna beg you again, as I did last week, please understand what I'm saying. It's not that we okay sin or tell someone they can keep living. the way they're living, it's not that we say, well, it's not that there's anything wrong with that. No, we can call a sin a sin. But we're not going to ever be able to discuss these things with someone if we simply shame them and shut them out. If we check badges at the door to say, oh, you're a Christian, you're a member here, you can come in, you don't seem to look like the rest of us, so maybe you need to leave, then we're never going to help anyone who's struggling with sin. And that goes for homosexuality, for transgenderism, for alcoholism, and for lots of other sins that we might not group in the same category, categories as others. As we conclude this lesson this morning, I didn't put it on the screen, but I saw one of the great things as we think about God's sexual boundaries. One of the great things I saw, it was on a YouTube video, it was a discussion between a couple of ladies about our families and having these types of talks. And one of the ladies said, the title of the, the YouTube video was, don't let TikTok, Teach your children about sexuality. And I'm afraid for many of us, that's what we've come to do. We'll let Facebook handle it. We'll let Instagram handle it. We'll let TikTok handle it. We'll let the world handle talking to our children about sex, sexuality, and God's boundaries. Friends, our sexuality is a gift from God. And it must be used in his boundaries. We must stay within God's boundaries. And we must help others understand God's boundaries that means being aware of these types of things that means discussing them and being able to discuss with others who are struggling with these types of thoughts and feelings and do so in a loving and supportive way without shaming them and shutting them out so that they won't ever listen to what God has to say about the matter it's a sensitive subject but I appreciate your attention this morning and as we conclude this lesson we talk about God's simple plan of salvation Uh, A song has been selected that through its words, we might encourage you if you need to make a change. I've said this a lot recently, but this is another one of those topics that sometimes somebody says, well, nobody's going to respond to the invitation if you talk about sexuality or abortion or whatever it might be. That's not the point. That's not the case. We extend heaven's invitation as a matter of being together as a body of people as Christians who are trying to encourage one another. If you're here this morning and you are not a child of God, whether it be something like sexuality or it be something like alcoholism or it be something like lying or stealing or anything, we sing to encourage you to become a child of God, to put on Christ in baptism and allow the Lord to add you to his church so that you can begin to live faithfully. Because guess what? We do all struggle with things. And part, a part of being his church is that we can encourage one another with moments like this and all throughout our life. Maybe you're here this morning and you are a child of God. You've been baptized before, but you have struggled with sin of any kind of nature. You've struggled to remain faithful, and you stand in need of confessing your sins, repenting of them before God, and praying to him for forgiveness. What we're trying to say about this, loving and supporting instead of shaming and shutting out, is that there is no better place. There is no better time even than right now with the people gathered here to seek love, to seek help, to seek prayers and we would love to encourage you even now as we stand together and as we sing